Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John. I'm going to be reading uh, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jenny. Oh yeah, thank you for that too. All right. So we are in a series called Get Ready to Go with Advent, and we're focusing on John the Baptist because as we'll read in some of the passages today, he was came to get people ready for the Lord, for the Lord's coming. And so we use him as our guide to say, how, to, how can we get ready to celebrate how he came? That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that he came. But also, how do we get ready for the reality that he's going to come again, to judge the living and the dead, that someday we are going to come to him if he doesn't come first and make all things right. So someday we're coming to him, so are we ready for that? How do we get ready? And then how do we get ready for the reality that he wants to come more fully in our lives than he is right now? And John the Baptist is, is just, he helps us do this. What we're going to do, well, first let me, no, no, I'll say this. Should I make up my mind? I just made up my mind. What we're going to do is we're going to look at four gospel passages. So those are the accounts of Jesus' life. There are four different accounts of Jesus' life. And we've been looking at John the Baptist stories and having those read each week from a different account. So two weeks ago, it was... Matthew, then last week it was Luke, and now Jenny just read from John what it says about John the Baptist. 
And the reason that we're looking at them each week, usually all four of those things, is because I just want you to see that the things that I'm talking about are not just sort of like a small part of the Bible. When something's mentioned in one book of the Bible, we should pay attention to it. It, it matters, and, and, and that's important. But when it's said all four times, then it must be like everybody that's talking about Jesus' life doesn't want you to miss this, and they don't want you to miss that John the Baptist came to get people ready for the Lord. And there's different aspects of it. So just quickly to review what we've talked about the last two weeks, we talked about how John the Baptist came to prepare the way for the Lord, to get ready. All four counts, prepare the way for the Lord. It was a voice of one calling, prepare the way for the Lord. And that voice was calling that in the wilderness, you should get ready. Get ready in the wilderness. So metaphorically, what that means is get ready even when it's hard, even when life feels empty, even when you don't have resources, even when you feel lonely, maybe especially in those circumstances. Because in the Bible, whether it's all the way talking about Moses and the people of God then, or whether it's talking about John, or whether it's talking about Jesus himself, the wilderness is a place where God prepares people. And I don't think it's any different today. In our wilderness seasons of life, God usually is getting us ready if we will cooperate with him, meeting us there, even though often it doesn't feel like he's there because we're in the wilderness. If we will stay connected to him, he will get us ready for what he has in mind. And that particular week, the message was about hope. The hope that comes from the good news of God. And John said it in different ways. Or when we were talking about John, it came out in different ways. Like the heaven, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heaven's not just far away. Heaven's not just later on someday. When Jesus comes, he brings heaven with him. He brings God's action with him. What God wants to happen with him. And that's available to us. That's good news. In Mark, it's a forgiveness of sins. that We've missed the mark. We've made it wrong. We can't make it up. We can't be good enough. But he forgives our sins. That's good news. In Luke, it talks about salvation for all humanity. It's available to all. Saving, rescuing power is available to all of us. That's good news. In John, it talks about that we're in a dark world, but when Jesus comes, he's the light of the world, and he brings light with him, and darkness will not overcome light. In the end, light will overcome darkness. It's all good news. So that was two weeks ago. Now, last week, last week we talked about uh, another thing that John said. And he said it all the time. Repent. Repent means turn, change directions in your life, change the way you're thinking. So change from, away from moving towards sin, towards things that we shouldn't be doing, towards things that take us away from God or loving people, and turn toward God, to follow God. Repent. And then he talks about you get ready by confessing your sins. That's what people did before Jesus came. The people that were getting ready came and confessed. They literally, not just like privately, they literally said, you know, I, have, I need help. I've made mistakes, I messed up, I want my life to be different, but I need help. And we talked about the peace that comes through the fire of God. Fire doesn't sound like something that brings peace, but the fire of God is trying to remove everything that takes away our peace. Everything that takes away our love. So we can be refined and purified by God's fire now. We can be set on fire with God's presence and love now. Or we can refuse God, and when people live apart from God and away from God, the result is devastation, just like unquenchable fire, is the quote in the Bible. It's devastating. Life apart from God is devastating. And if we refuse 
we don't want anything to do with God, then in the end God says, okay. But what that means for eternity is devastating. But why he, why he does that is he is going to bring peace, how things should work. And that's what God wants to do, and that's what he will do. And all who say, yes, we need you and we want you, he'll say, okay, then come with me. Today, oh my goodness, what are we going to talk about today? Can you give, bring up the slides? Because I kind of forgot. Okay, one more powerful is coming. Get ready. Next. Get ready by being baptized. So that would mean, if you've never been baptized... This is something I think you should do. If you have only been baptized as a baby, as a very small child, but have never at some point in a group of people said, I am, I am confirming the baptism, I'm saying yes to what baptism means, I'm saying yes to Jesus, then that is something that you should do. And the message here is the joy that comes through being immersed in the Holy Spirit. So let's get to it. We're going to look at how these things are in all, uh, all four accounts of Jesus' life when it's talking about John the Baptist. First, from Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, people went out to him, to John the Baptist, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Verse 11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we see people went out to get baptized. That's how they were getting ready. We see that he says, one more powerful than me is coming. One more powerful is coming. So get ready. And number three, he says, the one who's coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You will be immersed with the Holy Spirit if you say yes to him. Next, Luke, saying the similar things, but I just want you to see that it's showing up everywhere. Chapter 3, verse 3, he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So actually baptizing people is what that's implying. Verse 15, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. So you see he's baptizing. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There are the three things again. Baptizing, that's how they were getting ready. There is one coming more powerful than John. And there's going to be a, the one who's coming can baptize with the Holy Spirit. Immerse people with the Holy Spirit. Whatever that means. Mark chapter 4. Or chapter 1, verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Verse 7, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize with you, you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There it is again. He's baptizing people. They're coming to be baptized. He's baptizing with water. One more powerful than him is coming, and uh, that one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, John says things a little bit differently, but all the elements are still there. Verse 26. This is his response to big-time religious leaders from, that got sent from Jerusalem. This is, in John, what we're... What we're what is subtle, but what is being portrayed is that John was a big deal. 
John was a really big deal. And so the most important people in the whole uh, international religion of Jewish things said, we need to address things with John. And so they ask him who he is. And John ends that, that interaction. We read that interaction earlier, Jenny did. With I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now that's a mouthful, but it's what it's saying is that the one who's coming is really God. It's God who's coming as a human being, and he is way more powerful. He has surpassed me. He is higher. He is greater. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. All three things are there. Multiple times, John is saying, I baptize with water. People are coming, I'm baptizing with water. That's how they're getting ready. One who surpasses me, one more powerful than I is coming, and that one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So we evidently should pay attention to this. It is clearly repeated. I, and part of the reason I'm doing this is because this was never emphasized. I grew up in church. I went to church my whole life. I never heard this being emphasized, these things. I mean, some of them, but not, not some of them. Okay. One other thing I just want to look at. This idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's a big concept. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, there's the Spirit getting poured out. There's people being full of the Spirit. There's, there's just different ways of talking about the Spirit. One of the ways, if Jesus was to baptize us with the Spirit, one of the things that that might mean is that we'd be filled with the Spirit. Now, being filled with the Spirit is, shows up in, a, in, in the New Testament a couple different ways, in our Bibles a couple different ways, because there's two different Greek words that we would translate filled with the Spirit. And one of those is in, found three times in Luke and five times in Acts. Another one's found like a different word in Ephesians, and there's other... But I've been paying attention to how it shows up in, in Luke and Acts because the three times in Luke are connected to John the Baptist. So we're going to look at those three times where it talks about being filled with the Spirit and what's going on there. So in Luke chapter 1, this is going on before John the Baptist is born. So John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah, is a priest. And Zechariah is getting a once-in-a-lifetime thing where they do the once-a-year sacrifice, and his name got drawn, and he goes to the most holy place, and he gets to go in there. And while he's in there, the angel Gabriel comes down. And what we know about Gabriel is Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. Now, in our Bibles, there's descriptions about what's happening in the throne of room of God, in the presence of God. And people and even angels are bowing because of how great God is. This angel stands in God's presence. That's who comes to give this message to say, even though Zechariah and Elizabeth never had kids and were way, way, way past the age of kid bearing, God had heard their prayers, which I'm guessing they stopped praying decades ago, and they were gonna have a kid. 
And they were going to name the kid John, and that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 14. He will be a joy. This is, this is John, the baby that's going to come. He will be a Yes, he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice, many will have joy because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take, and I'm going to come back to that, he's, he's known to the big-time leaders in religion. He is also great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now that is a big time problem. That's one of the most powerful. This is, Elijah's the guy that like calls fire and it comes from heaven multiple times. Elijah, Elijah does all kinds of crazy things. And he's saying, you're going to have the same spirit. This is a, John the Baptist, what I'm trying to illustrate, John the Baptist is a big deal. John the Baptist carries a lot of power. Okay, i got to keep going. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John the Baptist is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and people are going to know who the Lord is because of it. And there's going to be joy. There's going to be joy because they know the Lord and the Lord is coming. John comes with great power. Now, that same Gabriel shows up to Mary, tells Mary even... Mary, you are, you are going, the Holy Spirit's going to put a baby inside of you. It's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be like God himself, but a human being inside of you. And Mary says, okay, I'll do it. And Gabriel says, and your cousin Elizabeth, John's mom, is also pregnant, even though she's way past years. And so the next thing we see after this uh, conversation between Mary and the angel Gabriel is uh, right here. Mary going to visit Elizabeth. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, who's John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard, as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. They're both filled with the Spirit. There's a baby full of joy in there. Now, this is crazy to me. Like, this is, this is supernatural. The, Mary comes in. This is right away. Not like this yet. And Elizabeth, something happens in there, and she's like, the Messiah. Who thinks that? But she is, it says, before she said that, it says she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the baby within her, who was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born, we just read, they're filled, and it's jumping, and she knows this baby's happy. This baby's happy because it's God. It's the Messiah. It's the good news. It's the rescuer. That's what happened. Because when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they recognize who Jesus is. They recognize who the Lord God is. They recognize that that. There, that him coming is a big deal for us. And they proclaim it. One more. Verse 67. John's father, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the third one in Luke. And prophesied, going to verse 76. And you, my child, John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way of the Lord 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation, just like we talked about in Luke with John, where he said salvation is available to all humanity because of the tender mercy of our God, but oh, through the forgiveness of their sins, which is what we talked about in Mark, which is the good news that he forgives sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, which is a metaphor about heaven coming, what God wants coming near instead of staying far away, which we talked about in Matthew, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, which is what we talked about in John, the good news of light coming into a dark world, and to guide our feet into the path of peace. So when Zechariah is filled with the Spirit, he says, I know you're going to point to the Messiah, and I know the Messiah is going to bring good news. The Messiah is going to bring heaven near. The Messiah is going to forgive our sins. The Messiah is going to bring light into darkness. The Messiah is going to bring salvation, rescuing, saving power where we need it most. That's what's going to happen. And that's what happens when people are filled with the Spirit. So going through those three points again, the first one being that one is coming more powerful than I, I just, again, for just a couple minutes, just want to say, John the Baptist is a big deal. I'm reading Josephus now. Josephus is a historian, not a Christian, a historian, time of Rome, writing the history of the Jews. And he spends a lot of ink on John the Baptist because John had such an impact in the region. He talks about Jesus a little bit too and, and, and it lines up with the things we have in our Bible. But with John the Baptist, he's saying like, this through things... Because it's not just religious leaders that came from Jerusalem. Herod, one of the most powerful people in the Middle East, had him thrown in prison. We're going to look at that next week. Herod, the most powerful people, is like, what is going on? Because John is such a big deal, but he's not just a big deal for people. He's great in the sight of the Lord. He's got the power of Elijah. And John says, compared to who's coming, I'm nothing. The one who's coming is so much greater, is so much more powerful. Are you ready? Because he's coming. He is coming. And he didn't whisper it. He was a voice of one calling, get ready. Because the one who's coming is huge. And what he wants to do is great. But we can either say like, yes, come on in. Or no, I'm just going to keep living my life my way. What are we going to do? And if we have never been baptized, if we have never said, you know, maybe we've been baptized as a kid, but we've never said for ourselves, I want to say publicly that I confess Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I just want to say like, I don't know why it's a big deal, I just know that multiple times throughout the Bible it says, do it. We don't do it casually. We don't do it if we're not, we don't really mean it. But we also don't wait till we're like spiritual. or It's like a beginning point. Like, I want Jesus. I don't, I don't exactly know how to do this, but I want to give my life to him. Okay, well, we're just like the rest of us. You're going to go ups and downs and all this. But come say like, yes, I want to start it. And instead of trying to just do it privately on my own, I want to do it with people. Get baptized. Because when Jesus comes into our life, when he baptizes us with the spirit of, 
itself, what's available to us is joy. And what's available to us is the ability to point other people to Jesus. Okay, let's get to act. Last slide. Last slide. Let's get to action steps. Uh, maybe it's coming. Get ready. Okay, how do we get ready? So what I've been saying is that while we're trying to do things to get ready each Sunday together, how you get ready is going to be up to you. It's not going to look the same for all of us. So I talked about, like, there's things you could do. You could fast, which is like giving up food for a period of time, or you could give up something else for a period of time to say, like, you are more important than anything, even food. Even when I spend all my time, you are the most important. That's one thing. Way to get ready. You could confess your sins. You could, uh, I talked about when they asked John, like, what, this is last week, what do we do? He said, well, be generous. Share with those who have need. Be generous, money. He talked about uh, be upright. Don't take more. Don't take advantage of people. Has to do with money and stuff. He said to Romans, don't extort people. Take more money. Be content with what you get paid. So when they said, what do we do to get ready? John said, Pay attention to how you handle money. It's not really yours. It's his. So be generous. Be upright. Be content with what you have. Now, this next one I want to spend a little time on before we transition to the end. This next one is get ready to share the good news. So those of you who have said yes to Jesus, who say, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus, are you sharing that with people? And if so, why or why not? Um, the person who I, I don't know all that stuff about Greek, but Jack Deere for many years was considered one of the leading uh, Greek New Testament scholars in, in the country. And I heard him give a teaching on it. What he, here's a story about him. He, as a senior in college, was re- leading a young life group. And he had like 250 high schoolers as part of the Young Life group, and a bunch of them came to faith. And he loved sharing his faith about Jesus and bringing people to know Jesus. And so he had, he had seen a lot of success. They were out at a, at a Young Life uh, ski trip in Colorado. They were flying back. There's a bunch of kids in the back. He gets set next to a junior in college, and she is an atheist. She doesn't believe in God. And, she doesn't, uh, and she's reading a book that's... that's um, that's basically saying there isn't a God and all of that. And so he, she's literally reading that. And he, who likes to share his faith, is saying, like, okay, God put me here. He's read a bunch of books like called apologetics, which are just like ways to say we can prove that God exists, or this is why we know Christianity is real. So he feels like an expert. And he has read that book. He wrote a paper on that book the semester before, and he shredded it. And so he is like, easy. So he's telling the story, easy. She... They start talking about it, and she is hostile to the faith. She didn't want anything to do with it. She's happy to have the conversation, but she ain't budging. An hour and a half, they're having the conversation, and he gets nowhere, and they're coming in. And there's a storm, and it doesn't land. And the, so the plane gets going around. It says, well, 10 more minutes, and then we'll land. And he does something he had never thought to do. He prays. God, help me. And immediately, something pops into his head. Two sentences. So he says, do you know what your problem is? She says, no. Your problem's the same as mine. You're a sinner in need of a savior. She says, I know. And she came to faith in Jesus. Now, 
after that, he's like, I got it. I got the formula. So like five or six other people. He gets talking to them for a while. They're not a believer. You know what your problem is? No. You're a sinner in need of Savior. Shut up, you self-righteous jerk. He gets shut down every time. He gets shut down every time. Here's the point. He is like super smart guy. Been, has experience sharing his faith with people. Knows the book. Knows all this stuff. It doesn't work. But he says a prayer, and at the time he didn't know this was being filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit filled him enough to give him like two things that come to his mind that were what that gal needed to hear. And it happened. You know what? That's what's available to all of us who want to share our faith and who ask for that. In fact, this morning, someone told me a story from here who they were at Firekeeper's worship gathering night, a bunch of us worshiping and praying and, and different things. And during that time, we're praying and a person came into their head. It's a friend of theirs who does not believe. And it kept coming. So, the per- so this, this gentleman from our church texted. And what they texted, because this is what came into mind as they're praying for him, I am going to pray for you and your new daughter every day in the month of December. I promise to do that. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you if you would do the same, if you would pray for her. Just pray for her as if, you, as if God existed. And just when you pray, act like God is real and pray. And the person has since gotten back multiple days and said, I've been doing that every day and it is changing me. And I am seeing things different. See, the person from our church was filled with the Holy Spirit. A thought comes into their head. I mean, they didn't necessarily be like, oh, this is God. They care about that person. They want to see that person uh, know Jesus. And so what comes into their head as they're praying, that's what they go ahead and try. Are you ready to do that? That's what it is. Just loving people in cooperation with God, who's real, because the Spirit is real, which is why we want Jesus to baptize us with the Spirit. And when stuff like that happens, can you imagine if that's you? If someone you care about, you really, really care about, but you don't know how to give them Jesus, and then a thought comes in, and you say it, and the person responds, and it's working, you think they're like, boring. I mean, that's what we say about church. But what if church was filled with the Spirit? What if Jesus was here? And so lastly, I just want to say, the whole thing about the Spirit coming and the cool stuff, we need Jesus. The first thing we need to do is say yes to Jesus. Is to say, come, Lord Jesus. We want you to come in our life. So we are going to do the sermon. We're going to do baptisms next. I want to pray first to transition us, and then we're going to do it. So, but, but now, listen, real quick. Nobody says yes to Jesus for you. You have to decide and keep deciding whether you want to say, come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. You are the most powerful one. We're so thankful that you aren't an angry God. You're a God of joy. You're a God of love. You're a God of forgiveness. You're a God who's made a way for us. And so we pray.
Come, Lord Jesus. Some of us have already prayed that. And we're just praying, we want you to come even more fully in our life. Just come, Lord Jesus. Some of us haven't been walking in that way of life lately. You've been distant, and we're saying, come, Lord Jesus. Some of us have never said it. We aren't even sure if it's real. But there's something moving inside of us right now, and so we're kind of saying, come, Lord Jesus. And some of us are very conflicted. And I pray that for those who are very convicted, conflicted, you would pay attention to the parts of our heart that are saying, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, forgive our sins. Come, Lord Jesus, rescue and save us. Come, Lord Jesus, Bring heaven into our lives. Bring what you want into our lives. Come, Lord Jesus. Bring light into our darkness. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And again, nobody can say it for you. So just for a few moments, I'll leave space where you can whisper it or think it or or say it. Wow. Now, as we transition to this time of baptisms, we pray for each one who will be baptized today. We pray your Holy Spirit would be active in the water, bringing about what baptism symbolizes, a cleansing, a forgiveness of sins, a filling with your spirit and a renewal, a transition into the body of Christ, into your church, an anointing, an empowerment of the Holy Spirit for service and ministry and growth. Would you do all that today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.